Welcome to The Pestle. Reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by The Zombie Apocalypse. Can you imagine how dirty a zombie's underwear is? Uh, let's start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Big Ass Biscuits. Every plan goes down better with a Big Ass Biscuit. <laughs> Welcome to the vessel. I am Wes, and I, I am Todd. I've decided to change oh, the, the tone of the openings. I used to do them uh, like okay. like the old school, almost like an announcer at halftime. Like yeah. and today's show is brought to you by, <laughs> and so I've changed it to over the top excited. One guy. day we're gonna act, actually have a real ass. <laughs> One sponsor, day, you know. I bet within. Three years. <laughs> I was going to say, I want to hear. Okay, I'm going to hold you to this. All right. It is, let's see, September, July 30th. Okay. 2019. So 2022. 2022. July 30th by 2022. We'll have legit sponsors. Episode 224. We're going to have sponsors. I get encouraged lately. I've been, I've been really into script notes, this other yeah. show. And yeah. it's the first show that I think I really listened to beginning to end. Oh, cool. I don't normally do that. So any any listeners who actually listen to us from start to, you know, uh, the very, very end. Yeah. I finally kind of understand why you might enjoy that. You, you know what? A I, I, bunch of people from my work actually follow us. What? They listen to episodes all the time. <laughs> really? Yeah. And they, they, make, <laughs> they make fun of me. They <laughs> <about> it. <laughs> we were in a meeting yesterday and it, it came up or something. And I think it was the, because, you know, we do the call outs at the end. Like, oh, yeah. Make sure to subscribe yeah. and all that stuff. <laughs> we were in a meeting. Smash the like button. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly what Travis said. <laughs> My boss. He said, make sure to smash the like button. <laughs> so everybody started laughing. Uh, we need to bring him in at some point. We I'd, do. I'd be curious what you kind know, of movie he would want to cover. There's like three guys at work that all are like, like, um, oh, y'all should do X or Y. And I'm, I said, okay, well, if we do it, will you come on? And they said, yeah. I said, oh. okay, well, tell me when yeah. and you can come on. And uh, and then they just never do. <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, well, you, you got to make some kind of effort, <laughs> yeah. man. You know, I'm not going to come to you. This is an effort. All of this really takes effort on, I mean, yeah, on, on both our parts part. for sure. But no. yeah, I mean. On your part. Yeah, I mean, the drive, I have to, for those who don't know, our studio is actually a really sweet home studio. It's with all the finest accoutrement, like Todd built out a specific soundproofed <laughs> studio with these beautiful glass doors and big windows. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. And so naturally, I make the drive every week, you know, over here because... When you have something this sweet, you take advantage of I it. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you put a lot of effort in, and so I want to honor that. <laughs> I, I mean, I live for this. This is, this is you know, wake up every day, and I think, what else can I do for the podcast? And, and you know, if, if throwing a few grand into building a room, uh, you know, will help us, then I'm all about that. And I mean, my, don't get me wrong. My wife and I have had like a lot of fights about, about how much money <laughs> and time I, I put into it. But you know, I just tell her, listen up woman. I have, I have goals and aspirations and this is important to me and this is going to happen. Sorry about get it. Get on board. I mean, or get out and you know, it's like one of those things. And, uh, that would and, be the best conversation ever. I would pay to have that recorded. Well, it w that conversation would last all of 10 seconds because I would say like three words and then I'd cower in the corner. Right. Um, none of that was true, by the way. Yeah, I love it. We don't ever do dry humor on the show and that was fantastic. Well <laughs> yes. done. No, in, in all honesty, Wes, you do everything for the podcast and this is just a fun thing for me. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I love it and I want it to take off and I and 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 everything. But like you put time and effort into this. You take notes. You you uh, do the editing. You make the, the website. You uh, 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 do, you literally do everything. You drive to my house. That does <laughs> that does happen. Uh, you wait patiently while I while I put my children to sleep. Sometimes impatiently. Sometimes impatiently. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so thank you for doing you're that, welcome. man. It's it's a blast. It is. You know, the, there are those days when you're just like, and I know you have them too. Where you're just like, I don't. I just don't feel like oh, freaking totally. doing it. Oh, totally. And then. Every time we sit down and press record, I've never not had fun. Yeah. It's just the weirdest uh, thing because I just remind myself, you're going to get to sit and talk with your best friend about something that you love to death. Yeah. Uh, so spend whatever, 
a few hours for watching a movie. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then go and have a great conversation. Like, this is fun. And so I can, I can finally kind of get it listening to this po- other guy's podcast. I'm like, cool. oh, it's guys who at least seem to know what they're talking about yeah. and also have great rapport and like each other. You can tell they like each other outside of recording their podcast. Mm-hmm. And so from like sun up to sundown, so to speak, like I'm just like, oh, yeah. Tell me about the WGA. I want to hear what's going on in the guild. Like, I'm not in the guild. I'm never going to be in the writer's guild. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's really cool. And I totally get it. So appreciate everyone who does follow along yeah. and, and listen. And, and you might be in the guild one day. We're working on it. We're working on it. That would be yeah. freaking amazing. Any, there's, there's no reason why you wouldn't. Yeah. Well, Unless you just don't write anything. True. That would be the reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would hold you back a little that bit. That would. That would. Hopefully, uh, we'll learn something i'll learn something and i did that's one of the coolest things about doing a nolan film is as beautiful as his movies are i'm always looking at what does he how, he writes in a way nobody else does yeah. like i've obviously i've seen all his films the only one i don't like is insomnia i don't know if you've ever seen it i, ha- I have a long time ago but but i mean the the, the punchline of any bad review of insomnia is going to be like insomnia will put you to sleep like it's Mm. it's just kind of this really dry film and i've tried to watch it a couple times and i have it's not that i just tried but i actually watched it but it it's the only movie that lacks what i would say has this kind of wow quality that reels you in on every level the the concept is a high concept and it's gonna make you question and think and it's also gonna you know wow the people who Maybe don't want to think. They just want to escape. But it's also giving a lot to the people like us who want to sit and talk about it for, you know, we walk out of a theater. We don't just want to say, okay, bye, see you later. You know, we just want to sit and talk for 15 minutes. Like, whoa, what did you think about that? All his movies, I would say, for the most part, have that quality. Outside of maybe one or two. Dark Knight Rises, you can give or take. But it's still going to be fun to watch at a minimum. Definitely. And so I get addicted to trying to figure out What's the secret sauce? How does he freaking do it? So I'm pretty excited. And maybe he will give me my keys to the kingdom of getting into the WGA someday. I mean, you never know. You never do. Him or his brother. Yeah. Right? Both incredible. Who, who, he writes most of the stuff, right? Let's be honest. Right? I know they write together, but I think he's mm. the principal writer. Yeah. At, at least that's what I take away from most of the, the at least recent films I've seen. I would say, I mean, I don't know, maybe Inception would be one of the only ones. Yeah. I and I'm trying to you're think right. you're that right. I want to say that was written and directed by Chris, mm-hmm. but Jonathan, even Memento was based on a short story yeah. that Jonathan Nolan was writing. Yeah. And so you're absolutely right. Well, and this, and you know, we're doing tonight, we're doing, um, uh, the prestige and this is based off a book. Yeah, which yeah. I didn't know until doing the writing up the show notes. Yeah. I was like, oh, crap. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, right? Um, so I guess it was just like adapted yeah. by Jonathan. God. Yeah. So anyway, uh, on that note, we are tonight we are doing The Prestige. So if you have not seen this, please pause the episode, go uh, watch it, and then come back and join us because we're going to be spoiling everything. Everything. We're going to talk about mostly the writing, the story, and especially the final prestige. What? is it uh we'll have a huge big massive announcement at the end maybe it's a sponsor Ooh. <laughs> i think so I, th- I think we're quitting our jobs this, this is all we is, do this now this is it this is it we finally found it good thing i finally get maybe reimbursed for this room uh, yeah, we'll discuss other such things and stuff uh, man and this sm58 i'm speaking on it's like 120 dollars <laughs> Uh, it doesn't right. look like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really doesn't. It's got ta- it's like the tape together. Guys, oh literally sponsors. Any sponsors out there? I'm I'm speaking into an SM58 that's probably 10 years old and ha- is taped together because it doesn't screw you up. Yeah. I'm literally gonna take a picture right now and post it in the show notes. Perfect. <laughs> you can see what we're dealing with here. Uh, synopsis of the film. Uh, after a tragic accident, two stage magicians engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. Directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan, based on the novel by Christopher Priest, cinematography by Wally Pfister, uh, pronounced Pfister. Uh, I read that. <laughs> I if you Burgundy. write it, I, I am Ron Burgundy. I, I am Ron Burgundy. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Cinematography by Wally Pfister, featuring Hugh Jackman as Angier, Christian Bale as Borden, Michael Caine as Cutter, Rebecca Hall as Sarah, Scarlett Johansson as Olivia, and David Bowie as Tesla. the truth. The world is simple, miserable, solid, solid all the way through. But if you could fool them, even for a second, then you could make them wonder. Then you, then you got to see It was the look on their faces. Every magic trick consists of three parts or acts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary. The second act is called the turn. The magician takes the ordinary something and makes it into something extraordinary. But you wouldn't clap yet because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it. secret but you won't find it because of course you're not really looking you don't really want to work it out you want to be fooled I forget mm -hmm. for one how good Hugh Jackman is Yeah, like even watching that I've literally watched this entire movie you know the other night and was so dialed into the uh, the story and the yeah. writing and it was just so focused on that that i wasn't really focused on anything else and watching just that clip just now i was like oh my god huge ackman is doing the absolute most with this very long push in this monologue and he's just describing every reason that probably every magician uh, does what they do. I used to be a magician's assistant, actually. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> I have all kinds of things in my magic hat. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I would help. I had these two roommates who were magicians, and they were, like, really, really good. One of them still tours. They would use me from time to time to help them with their tricks, and that's, you know, always going to be one of the things is you never know who's in on it and who isn't and you see that throughout this film that they're bringing in these people out of the audience quote unquote uh not realizing oh these are people that are just part of the act and that holds true to a large degree i'm sure and so yeah i used to help these guys you know do their thing and hearing him describe like it's about the look on their faces and i was like yeah that does make sense for them they were they were more apologetic about magic as a way to prove to people that you can be deceived and if you can be if i can deceive you with something as simple as this uh, you can also be deceived in your faith and uh, blah 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 and for them it was a outreach it was a ministry opportunity for people who weren't christian and blah 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 and so it was clever on their part for sure but it was also informative on for me to be you know backstage and seeing how the sausage gets made or whatever yeah and 
fun too. Uh, it's all about setting an expectation and figuring out how do you subvert that expectation, which Nolan is just a master of here. But all that said, holding and selling like that moment of wonder in Hugh Jackman's eyes, man. Yeah. So, so how did you feel when watching that? Like, um, not his, not his, like, okay, take a step back from his performance for just a second. Cause yes, on, it was awesome. Right. And you know, but the feeling I had, like I'm sitting there watching him, right. I'm watching him deliver this line and it's obvious he believes it. Right. It's obvious. This is why he did this. This is why, you know, was his driving force. And I can totally see how other, not just magicians, but just people in general who are, you know, like completely dedicated could, you know, would feel the same way. But then cutting back to Borden, the look on his face, right? So he delivers this, this, here's my reason, right? And the look on Borden's face is like, no, man, you don't get it. Right? Yeah. What do you think that was about? I mean, I have a whole... 20 minute spiel about what that's about oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see we're in our, each other's heads see because because i was sitting there well let me just you yeah, know please. and i'm just gonna like kind of stream you know, of consciousness stream of consciousness with this because i really couldn't put my finger on it necessarily in just watching it but that's the thing out of the entire movie that's the that his reaction to angier's answer or reason was the thing that stuck with me the most in this entire movie it was, it was, <laughs> and I don't know why, because it wasn't like, oh, okay. I'm putting it together. Right. I, I think I do know why it's because of the, it's this, it's that brother of the two brothers is the one that I relate to. Right. There was, he's the one, that one was the one who loved his wife and loved yes, his daughter, loved his wife. It, it was probably his daughter. Mm-hmm. It, didn't uh, right, it didn't matter really it was the daughter of his wife though right yes yes but i mean because they were both sleeping with yeah, her so right. you know whatever <laughs> um but he's the one that that loved his his wife right and he's the one that i relate to and he's the one that feels more compassionate he's also the one who told his brother who got hung not to go after angier because you remember do you okay think about it um, remember when it's cutting to him and he's like, he says, we're done. That's it. Don't go after him. No, I don't. Yeah. There's a scene where he's sitting down. You're watching, uh, Christian Bale sit down and he's, he's talking to Fallon, Fallon telling Fallon, quote unquote, not to go after him. We're done. Leave him alone. Leave him oh, be essentially. Interesting. Right. And then in the jail, when they're dragging the brother off to go get hung, he says, you told me not to. I should have not. Wow. I should have not gone. You told me not to. But he's talking to Fallon, mm-hmm. right? So it was obvious that Fallon at the, in that scene in the jail was the brother that told him not to. And that's the, that's the kind of brother that would say that. Not the one that's screaming at his, his quote-unquote right. wife in front of, you know, with his daughter listening and like just like almost heartless, yeah. right? And so I think if it were the brother that got hung, um, in the final scene with mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman or with Angier. We'll call him the evil twin. Yeah, the evil twin. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, yeah. right? Yeah. If it was him, then maybe he might have agreed or not, you know, because like. I do find it interesting just their motives seem yeah. to be very different for yes. both both brothers, both brothers and and for Dantier or Angier. Because Angier. Angier seemed to really just love the magic and the awe and the wonder, which is why he was a better showman. Mm. Uh, Borden seemed to be more obsessed with the money and the acclaim and the, uh, the craft. Mm-hmm. He was more the craft. clever and obsessed with figuring it out and how do you execute it, which made for whatever reason, him a poor showman. Like he just knew the craft so well that it kind of, it fooled his audience on multiple levels for one because half the time they didn't really understand the trick they saw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're too good. Like you need to slow down and treat yeah. us a little bit more dumb yeah. um, in order to display your brilliance, yeah. uh, which is a crazy you know, place to come from. And so he was so willing to sell out his life in order to be, to have a, an edge on 
everyone on Angier, on yeah. uh, the world at large. And I just wonder at what age that became obvious to him that, oh, we're going to have to live like this. Uh-huh. Um, it couldn't have been recent. Like that had to have been a decision made. So it was the difference in their motives is Angier is he wants to, you know, he, it was for the look on their faces. It was for the awe. It was for the, the beauty of, of not knowing, yeah. giving them this gift of the beauty of not knowing how something is done. This like, like magic, I said, yeah. magic moment. And for Borden, it was more of, of just being the best, being the purest, yeah. I guess, you know, like, because he always, he always got on Angier uh, on his case for, for, you know, just like not being the best magician, right? True. And even looking at their houses and their workshops, I mean, yeah. Borden basically lives in his workshop uh-huh. and he's got all these things happening. And I don't remember ever seeing uh, Angier's place, you know, littered with his ideas and he doesn't have this crazy journal that's encoded in mm-hmm. order to protect his brilliance. Like, it, yeah. And that's just so freaking smart. Just a great way to write a character because otherwise, if you take out that simple motivation, these guys look exactly alike in terms of who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. They're both magicians who will do anything for their work and to be the best. But then you start inserting their motives on why they want to do these things. And suddenly they couldn't be more different. Totally. Yeah. That's, That's, it's brilliant. Yeah, man. And I, I, okay. So I watched this two years ago for the second time. So I've seen it three times now. The first time, you know, first time was, I guess, you know, around when it came out and then I watched two years ago and I, totally forgot everything like i had no idea suddenly scarlett johansson is in there you're like oh she's Uh, in this yeah exactly but i didn't remember about the brothers i didn't remember i definitely remember the brothers yeah i didn't remember anything so i'm learning this from from, and i was like that's cool holy (laughs) whoa because you start wondering how how are they pulling that off yes yes and so now you know watching it uh a third time this past week knowing all of that I'm, I'm like picking out so many, like they are telling you it's, it is a magic show. Yeah. Like it is a, the whole, or a magic trick. The entire movie is a magic trick where they're showing you right in front of your face what is going on and you just don't see it, yeah. you know? And obviously, you know, your the sound, uh, bite. The sound bite actually, you know, paints that perfectly. But the whole movie is like that. They start from the prestige, you know, like they start, at the end, yep. and then they, and then you kind of, you know, go cycle through to the end to, to see where you got. And it's, it is so brilliant. brilliant, and I love, I love that because normally one of the key rules of of writing is start as far into the story as possible. And good God, if they didn't do it here, like they started at the trial after he'd already been dead. Yeah, like Angier's been murdered, so that everyone thinks, um, and we see the flashes of how that all comes comes to be we're already in trial we have the foreshadowing of his death of murder the confusion birds and a gaggle of top hats <laughs> like we're all confused but we also understand uh, the stakes because normally it's it can be very very gimmicky and lazy to do the whole three months earlier bit you know not i don't know how far back we flash right. but years generally that's kind of the thing right three days prior yeah and it's just kind of this lazy thing that uh, Rick and Morty does a great job of harpooning in one of their episodes because it, it's just this way to try to generate excitement in your story. It means that you lack excitement in the beginning. And so it can come across as this very cheap way uh, gimmick. And now we have to wait as an audience. Oh, now I got to see the backstory and how we get to this moment. That's kind of exhausting. And it's been done so many times. There's very, very few movies or tv shows that do it in excellence obviously the opening of breaking bad is one of the fantastic ones and this one because this is our entrance to several several things namely like you said the movie's magic trick uh, which is to make something disappear and bring it back they're establishing the rules of the movie and the opening scene and so in this case we are watching angier get killed in the opening and now we have to bring him back Maybe 
Like that's what they're leading us to believe is the movie's magic right. trick is yeah. bringing Angier back with us. Of course, not knowing in hindsight that the actual magic trick is going to be to bring Borden back. Uh-huh. And so it's slate of hand and he keeps doing it throughout the film. But the important part of starting at the trial is to validate that Angier really is dead. Yeah. Like he's, he's gone as far as we know, as mm-hmm. far as the movie knows he's dead. And it also enables us to dive further into a character's story, into their own trickery with the journals, which I'm a huge fan of. This is a very, very tricky thing to do because overall, the flashbacks, this isn't a gimmick. It's a methodical like hypnosis to distract our attention from the film's trick using what is called the unreliable narrator. This is where I think most people get thrown off with this movie. And the first thing that I realized the very first time I watched it, I walked out with my uh, buddy, screenwriting partner, and we started talking it out. And I was like, no, 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 no. You got to remember, most of what we learn comes through an unreliable narrator. It's through their journals to each other. Yeah. Like, so inherently, all those flashbacks are wrought with, like, you don't know. You have to question everything. Um, So in the opening, Borden... Uh, is handed Angier's journal, which is great. Everything we learn from this is not trustworthy because it's one character talking to another, but not to us, the audience. So when, when the filmmaker lies to the audience, this feels cheap, but one character can lie to another without cheapening the overall experience. It's one of those things where, and then you woke up. Yeah, that's right. super freaking cheap and you feel like you've been robbed of an experience uh-huh. uh, because the writer couldn't find his way out of the paper bag. But in this case, it's leading us, it's betraying us open handedly. It's telling us, hey, you can't trust anything right now because one character is talking to another. So everything you see, everything you hear is not a reliable source of information. Yeah. Without every like explicitly saying that you just have to understand. Wow. I didn't. That makes so much sense, man. <laughs> The, the, lying to e- one character lying to another makes that experience not seem cheap. Yeah, it's clever, right? I didn't even think of that. And that's the smart thing about starting so far into the future is that he can introduce these journals and their backstory. And then with one sentence, each character calling the other one out as they're reading it. We finally established that this is all been bull. It's all corrupt. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> You don't know what's what. And so we're reading, you know, Angier's journal. And then in his journal, we have to realize we go another layer deeper because Angier is handed Borden's journal, the decoded journal. And he's reading that right on the train to Tesla. So now we're two layers deep in story. (laughs) So that when we finally come up a layer we assume it's real and we kind of forget that we're still in an unreliable narrator. It's, it's really beautiful. And of course we pop around the narratives, obfuscating reality versus diary narration in the guise of exposition. This is really brilliant exposition as a distraction. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Like that's pure freaking genius because he's given us exposition of their backstory. So we inherently kind of buy into everything because that's mixed with truth and lie. And we can only suss out what's what after the fact. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm getting really excited. This is so much fun. And so we see a lot of things. Um, We see Cutter, uh, Michael Caine. Cutter is showing the judge the water tank, and this is back in real time, and why it was significant to Borden and Angier. This is real time. This has actually happened. This is no journal entry, um, because now this is part of the trial. And then when he's showing him the water tank, he tells them it was important to them. What we do is we flash back right back into Borden's diary narration. This is slate of hand on Nolan's part, you know, a magic trick. As it seems like Cutter is telling this to the judge, even though we're actually reading Borden's journal, which is an unreliable narrator through the eyes of uh, Angier. And so it's a very, very smart trick to set, to establish the journals, you know, one, then the next, and now we're two layers deep and then the flashback to the present and then send us right back to those journals. It's a complete, yeah, you don't know genius Yeah, because it's so, you don't know what's right. Yeah. Yeah. You just assume, 
oh, because we're back in reality now, we're back in reality again. No, we're right back into someone's narration. And it's, oh man, I just get envy whenever I see these things, you know? And so we'll come back to that in a second. Let's discuss the setups and payoffs because magic tricks, you know, have these things. And the movie itself creates, and most movies have setups and payoffs if they're doing their job right. And so Borden's not, sets up the tragedy that pits them against each other. This is the crux of the entire movie. They wouldn't have become enemies if it hadn't been for his his not. And so they're able to draw a very clear line that defines their personalities. And we're also understanding their ego, making us feel frustration because you're watching him tie this knot or hear him discuss the knot. And you have one, his boss, the experienced guy, Cutter, is like, no, don't tie that knot. She's not going to be able to slip it. And of course, that sets up a really good tension and it's good. Make us feel something. It's important that we not only anticipate the accident for maximum tension, but also to help us relate and identify the obsession that follows and the fury because we're identifying with Angier now because we hate Borden. He killed her yeah. because of his arrogance. And later on, it's interesting in hindsight, you don't realize because it could have been either one of them. And the one he's talking to doesn't know. And yeah. his brother what really knot did tell you him. tie? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't. How can he not know? How can he not know? <sighs> yeah. And so we also see another great moment um, early on when Borden sees through the public facade of the old Chinese magician, right? And that sets up that Borden sees the facade uh, because he himself does the same thing. Like in hindsight, we realize, of course, he can spot that because he does it. Yeah. He realizes people really are willing to, to go that hardcore yeah. uh, for the craft. And then there's also this great moment that's a setup of the little boy realizing that the original bird is dead. Like he watches that magic trick and he freaks out, right? Uh, Sarah's nephew. And the, they bring him back and he's like, no, 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 he's right here. And he's still mm-hmm. crying. He's like, but where's his brother? Yep. This sets up the ending in so many ways. I called that out. I, I was watching with Scott, my uh, yeah, my, yeah, guitarist, and and I called that out. I was like brothers, and he goes, "What?" I said, and he didn't remember either. So I said, "Never mind." <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, and it sets it up. Uh, we see the dead bird pulled from the table and emptied into a trash can, foreshadowing Angier's method. And I think that's important. Keep that really firmly in the back of your mind. Borden, uh, later on, a uh, scene later, shows the boy a secret, right? Here's a magic trick, and here's the secret to the trick. And also tells him, no one is impressed with the secret, only what you use it for. I think this is Nolan telling us that he's not going to tell us the secret to his trick. Like, that's one-on-one. We don't get to know. You have to suss it out yourself which to some degree means you need to be a cynic. And sometimes I can certainly be that. (laughs) (laughs) Another big thing to set up some payoffs is never show the same thing twice. And this is kind of a movie role in general, I think. For instance, the bullet catch. Whenever he's demonstrating the bullet catch with his soon-to-be wife, I guess, he tells her the bullet is never in there. We see the bullet loaded, but it's cleverly removed, right, with the, the thing. And then later we see how Angier breaks it which they set up twice, actually, because Cutter says it uh, whenever they're discussing, they're all three of them together discussing, let's do the, the bullet trick. And he's like, no, any moron audience member can stuff something in there, a button, you know. And then he does it again. He tells, Borden tells Sarah, uh, it's dangerous because anybody can stuff anything in there. And then, of course, we see how Angier breaks it, uh, costing Borden his fingers as a bit of a tit for tat. Uh, on the death of his wife, which is less tit and more tat, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so then another setup payoff is the bird in the cage. Whenever the bird in the cage is unharmed, that whole magic trick of we're going to not kill it at all. Uh, the cage is pulled apart without ever hurting the bird. So we see how it's supposed to work. And then we see how Borden breaks it, breaking some fingers, going tit for tat, because now he's... Uh, lost some fingers and now he's costing uh, an audience member some fingers. I'm sure he was hoping more for <laughs> Hugh Jackman's or Angiers. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But let's now dive into the prestige of the new transported man. Uh, this is where I think it gets fun. So Cutter says the only way to do the transported man is with a double. 
He's like, I've been in this business for ages, and I'm telling you right now. And, of course, Andrew doesn't believe it. He's like, no, it's something else. It's the same man who comes out of the box. He's like, nope, it's double. So we have we flash forward a bit, I guess, to Tesla and Angier. And Tesla tells him, have you considered the cost of this machine? And he's, and of course, Angier is like, yeah, I'll pay whatever. And he's not really getting it. He's like, no, 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 no. Have you considered the cost? And he obviously he's referring to killing people. Well, maybe not obviously, but I think he's referring to killing people. Uh, it's it's all implied. It's never explicitly stated. Cutter says whenever referring to the drunken actor that's Angier's double, we don't do any tricks we cannot control. And so that's basically telling us a loose end is intolerable. And so he began killing to secure his secret and his act because he's never going through that again. That cost him his leg. It cost him his show. And it's, he got publicly embarrassed by Borden. Like that was a big victory for Borden and maybe to some extent cost him Olivia. Not that he really cared, which is insane. Yeah. (laughs) How? I don't know. (laughs) I can't even talk about it. (laughs) And then Borden tells Angier whenever he's in the, the jail cell and Angier reveals himself to still be alive. He tells Borden tells him finally getting your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. It's what a good trick takes risk sacrifice. That's very, very serious. Cause even just analyzing Borden, even Borden's wife doesn't know his secrets. Borden never stops performing. He understands what it takes to be amazing. And of course he dies for it. He dies for it. He kills his wife for it effectively through all the secrecy yeah and of course Borden's secrets kills his wife Angier kills for his secrets there's a bit of an inversion kills himself he gets himself killed Angier yeah yeah that's what I'm saying over and over and over again so and and I, I have a question if I could we could pause for just a second when he's giving that explanation to Borden at the end, he says, I didn't know if I was going to be the man in the box every night. And I didn't understand that. So, perfect timing. I feel like you're looking at my notes. Okay. <laughs> the trick of the movie is making us believe that Angier dies for his trick when he actually kills for it. He still does the double trick. He still hiring actors and killing them. Eventually he kills his old double when he sees Borden make his move. I think that was probably his original double that the drunken guy, however he pulls that off. I don't think really matters. I think he's killing regular people for a lot of specific reasons, but Angier has killed dozens of men to perform his trick and feel the prestige for himself. It's not himself. It's not, he's not being cloned. I think we have to ask a very fundamental question about this movie. And it's the one that kind of determines how you see the end, which is, is this movie a science fiction film or is it grounded in reality? Nothing else in this movie tells me that this is a sci-fi or fantasy film. And to my knowledge, we cannot clone with a Tesla coil. Because all a Tesla coil is just electrical sparks. It's but I mean, it's established from Tesla. That when, when he says, don't forget your hat, well, which hat's mine? They're all your hat. When, when, tell me when does Tesla tell us this? Who's, who's telling us Tesla told us this? Where do we get that piece of information? Oh. It comes from an unreliable narrator. That's. Where does it come? Wait, wait, where does it come from then? It comes from, from uh, Angier's. It comes from Angier telling Borden. In his diary. The film's prestige is that Nolan brings Borden back. At the beginning, we thought the trick was going to be bringing back Angier, but instead it's how he brought Borden back. And this is where we get to it. You never understood that whole last sequence, right? You never understood uh, why we did this. The audience knows the truth. The world's miserable. It's simple. But if you could fool them even for a second, you could see something very special. It was the look on their face. Angier's trick worked on us, but not on Borden. I think he failed in one sense and succeeded in another because right after that scene, 
we hear the, the very key phrase, now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it because you're not really looking. You don't really want to work it out. You want to be fooled. We want to believe that he was cloning himself because it's so much cooler. It's so much cooler than the reality that he's a murderer. Wait, he was just finding doubles of himself? Yeah. How, you can't find a hundred doubles of himself. He didn't necessarily have to find a hundred. He only had to find enough to get Borden into the room. Because I don't think he ever expected to actually die. But here's the other question. This is the one that I really can't puzzle out. But that's him in the, in the, the thing at the beginning, the flashback. The, the double was him. I think that's the double. He only had to actually kill himself once. The rest could just be bodies in a, in a tank. So I think the real question is whether or not Angier is ever actually dead. Or did he do the magic, the, the magic bullet trick at the end? Did who do the magic bullet trick? Did Angier pull the magic bullet trick on Borden? Borden had a gun. Had his own gun. Yeah, but he was also in league with Cutter. And so that would be a very easy place to, I don't know, insert himself into that process. I don't know. I think he's probably I dead. I would, I would vote for he's, he's dead. There's not quite enough information to tease out that he faked his own death. I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, maybe it's in there, and I just don't have the patience to dig for it. But I do think that this is a grounded, real-world film that cloning is not possible. I think he was trying to get one over on Borden by making him believe that he could clone himself because the whole reason he met Tesla in the first place is because he got fooled. He got fooled into going to Colorado for Tesla and Borden knew the whole time. Tesla, he's got nothing. And it, did Borden tell him Tesla to go to Tesla? Did he tell him that because he knew, you know, there was the scene where they were both checking out the Tesla coil, Right. And Angier sees Borden there, like staring at the coil, right? But Borden never sees Angier, and then they walk away. Oh yeah, he, like the World's Fair or whatever. Right, it was. and then yeah. he, and then Borden goes to his family or something, something yeah. like that, to that effect. But he never actually looks at Angier, right? Right. But maybe he knew Angier was there, and so that was why he was just going to send him on a wild goose chase. Maybe I think but he like, just was going to send him on that goose chase, no matter what. Because but he why like why Tesla? That's like a random. It's like so random out of nowhere. Because they're in England. He's like, I'm gonna send them to the America. I'm gonna make them waste all this time and all this money and have absolutely nothing to show for it. I think it was just fool's errand. Like if he could have sent them to the Himalayas, I'm sure he probably would have tried to tease that out. But because they'd already established like Tesla's this mad genius. Well, and and then Tesla had, at one point had said that he had made this machine before. Mm-hmm. Or that he had done this before for someone else. Yeah, I, I mean, we're assuming he's talking about Borden. Right. Do you think that that is a Borden, the Borden is just a double from Tesla? Or do you think that it is really like a super twin brother? Uh, yeah, I think it's just a twin brother. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see this being anything other than a basic grounded film with magicians. And I think it's fun to assume these, you know, magic properties into the world. But I don't. I think that betrays the whole point of this movie, which is magicians are supposed to make you believe in magic. Right. And here they have us right now discussing whether or not there was magic in the film. That's right. its magic trick. Well, yeah, I, I totally get that. But like, like in that final scene, like I, f- I, I feel like his reason and his response is is just so inaccurate. To, it's accurate to his character, but it's so like inaccurate overall. It almost makes me feel like he was the one doing the wrong thing, but the wrong thing wasn't killing somebody. The wrong thing was doing it in a fake way, in a fake scientific way. Like he was cloning himself and he was killing himself, but that's cheating. That's not... So you feel like Borden was just like, oh, that's a, you're oh, a cheater. Oh, you're just cloning yourself and then killing yourself? Like that's not... Yeah, like that's not... Like, like somehow that is wrong because it is science is like for the same reason you're saying that it would betray the whole, the whole film. Yeah. But in a sense, it's betraying the artistry of magic in general because he's, I don't know. Because if you had an actual magic wand to make a rabbit disappear, it's like, well, 
Now you're just cheating. I don't know. Because you can't <laughs> yeah, fool Yeah, maybe us. that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably a stupid thing. But so I, did, I think so. I think that whole interaction at the end, Angier's trying to get that look on Borden's face, and he never gets it. Yeah. Until after he's dead, I think he dies, and then Borden realizes, "Oh God, he did it." Right, and that's yeah. that's the trick, and he never got that look. So I think they both win and lose at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, oh, they definitely both win <laughs> and lose. Actually, they both they both lose pretty big. Yeah. So I'm, that's that's where I'm at. I think. So you don't think that te- that Tesla? No. Yeah. And for me, watching the movie the first time, I was already familiar with Tesla because I had a buddy who liked to build Tesla coils, and so I was all familiar with all of that stuff. And so I was always like, oh, okay, it's just a Tesla coil. There's no magical properties and then i see the the whole cloning thing i'm like oh yeah get out of here and so i, I was already looking for the the strings on the the, the fingers you know huh. and this is the only thing that made any sense either i think he was just killing people i think he was killing people and that was part of the whole trick of you're getting your hands dirty at last and and the whole point of the birds and the brothers okay well you know where's his where's his brother I think those birds are kind of telling us there are no clones. Those birds aren't clones of each other. They're just birds that look alike. And I think that's why that particular magic trick was so important to this movie is to establish that very same basic idea of there's, there is no magic. These things freaking die. And this other one is not this one. But why would he kill, kill a bunch of people? There's no need to do that. He lost his humanity. I mean, I, 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 I totally get why he would, why he would do that to the drunk guy, mm-hmm. you know, because he just can't control that. But to like find, I don't know, even if it was just a dozen shows to find a dozen people that looked exactly like him. And I mean, had to look exactly like him because yeah. he, he puts on the first two stages of the, of the well, magic uh, trick. Yeah. I also think if you throw them in, water maybe some murky water and some murky glass like you can obfuscate enough so that they they have a close enough texture to them you're not going to get a very good look at them uh, what do you mean no i'm talking about on stage in front of oh, the audience sure. you know like there's well, three acts to each to I, thing i mean i feel like one one big thing with magic is the ability to force when someone does something and so for him i think that was just kind of a process every night we're going to pretend to load this thing and it's just going to be the same empty thing we're waiting for that moment whenever borden shows up in disguise oh. okay this is our night now i'm really going to kill my i think it was that same drunk guy the entire show and he's just had all these other bodies in the back but i just need the one showman and i'll kill him the one time and then we'll be done with him and he just had to pick the right night to execute that plan and i oh. think that's all that was because okay. magicians all the time force you to pick the card they want you to pick, right? That's one of their yeah. their but, trades. But uh, so he Borden can tell when it's not when it's the drunk guy on stage, and you think that he wouldn't be able to tell that it was the drunk guy who fell into the into the the water. I think maybe the tank. I think maybe it's him every night on stage. Until that very last night. And then he ha- only has to do the swap once. No, I know. But Borden's under the stage. Oh. Borden's under the stage oh, yeah, watching. Yeah. You know? I think, yeah, I think he totally predicts when that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. 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 And he's on stage. And he's on stage. He, but he's so focused on the contraption and mm-hmm. understanding how everything works. He's completely missing the double. Yeah. I think he's so hell bent on his own. Aims. I don't know, man. I, I. I, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do totally see what you're saying about it. Kind of like, you know, not fitting yeah. for this to be, it does make it into a science fiction film. And it does, it does feel a little out of place for, mm-hmm. for sure. I definitely call that, call that. I just, I don't have the answer. I don't know that that's the answer for me, but I don't have any other better. Yeah. You know, reason. I don't know. Maybe we don't really want to work it out. I think we want to be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. The only other things I noticed, and this is like the minorest garbage. Not that it's garbage. Uh, Wally Fister. I follow him on Instagram. He's oh, yeah. amazing. But yes. cinematography wise, 
A lot of lamps. A lot of lamps. <laughs> because he loves I, lamp. Yeah. <laughs> because obviously it's warm lighting. You want to, re- to reflect fire in the lamps. And so there's a lot of warmth on all the actors, uh, with the exception of the Tesla coil. And that, I think, it helps add a really nice contrast to electricity. Suddenly it's this otherworldly thing and really helps sell kind of the, the sci-fi aspect to it. But then, of course, we also do a lot of handheld and Steadicam work. And I think that's smart because it's also selling us a, an audience perspective of watching these magic tricks up close. And they do these scenes blocked off so perfectly, like when you're watching Angier and his double on stage and Angier's walking off stage and down to whoever, uh, Olivia, and you're seeing his double in the back, but just like the edge of his arm. And mm-hmm. it's all handheld and it's all making you believe that, oh yeah, these shot reverse shots, uh, of course he has a double. And so I don't know that he ever really gets too far into the, they're occupying the frame at the same exact time. There are a few shots. There's a few, but there's not very many. No. He really does a great job of minimizing it and focusing less on the trickery of it and more on the story. And we hate this drunk dude yeah. and who's going to ruin everything. Yeah, but that's it's interesting because there are a few shots with both of them in it, but normally you can totally tell when you're avoiding it. Yeah. You know, but in this case, I, do, I couldn't really tell. Like, I was, it was a, a second thought, you know. Yeah, because it yeah. all flowed in with all the other cinematography. Yeah. It feels like so many films kind of bend over backwards. Like, oh, we're going to break our cinematography rules. Yeah, in so order that to, we can do this. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, don't do that. Yeah. And so they really worked out. And I think that Steadicam kind of floating handheld really helps sell it. Like, we are watching a magic trick. It's yeah. us, the audience. And so it's perfect to kind of sell this world and mm-hmm. all the stuff. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I got. All right. You're still on the fence. I'm, I'm on the fence, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wish I had a better, a better answer or a better thought, yeah. but you kind of blew my mind with the idea of, of Tesla, yeah. the Tesla thing not even existing, yeah. you know, like maybe he didn't even go to the U S I think he did or whatever he did. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. I mean, all he, he needed was the coil. Right. Right. That's it. Which they were in London when the coil was there. He could have just bought that damn coil. coil. Who knows? True. You know, but I don't know. I, I, you know, it's, it's the, the classic like, oh my God, look at that trick. That trick was amazing. How the heck did it do it? How'd they do it? I need to know. I need to know. I'm exhausted. I, I give up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like uh, I'll just be amazed by it every time. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I love the commitment it takes and also I think it's daring, it's brave to introduce an unreliable narrator on so many fronts and kind of, if you start unraveling it, you could potentially get frustrated and say, oh man, that, that sucks. Like I I really want an answer, but most people get an answer. This may not be the right answer, but they walk away with this very satisfying experience. And that's, that's such a Nolan thing, right? Everybody has their own answer, their own experience. And he doesn't talk about that shit at all. He just like, what do you think? That's the thing. There you go. That's Um, amazing because he gets such big budgets. Yeah. And he could, yeah. And he writes these original works. Yeah. And they wow us. They're all magic tricks to me. I would love, this is a great example of a film where I would love to see the storyboards. I mean, really, because there are so many things going on, like all in almost all Nolan films. I'd love to see the storyboards and wonder how close they, mm. you know, how much they stick to the the final edit or not even the final edit, just like what they're shooting. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, the final edit could change um, for a million different reasons. But if, you know, while they're shooting, are they like, OK, there's these 10 frames we want to get through today we are shooting these 10 frames and they get those 10 frames, you know, and make them look like the boards, you know, is that like, you know, because then in the, in the cutting room, you can do a lot of different stuff, but we want to have the bed, you know, like the foundation is, are they adherent to that? Or is it like more fluid? I don't know. I, I feel like because there's so many moving parts and they're moving all over the place and he knows every single he shot has to know every shot yeah. and every angle. Not just the shots, but like the angles are super. Like you were saying, when there's both uh, Angiers on stage, like seeing them both in, you know, it's it's important. And not even just the both Angiers, but both Bordens. Mm. Even when 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 um, 
uh, Fallon. Fallon, you know, is there like he has to be. It's almost like he does have to be Bale as Fallon when it's Fallon. I mean, because he kind of would look different if it was somebody else. I would think. I and mean, maybe Christian they Bale just have somebody just that, that neurotic to want double. to do both. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy totally. puts on like and why not uh, sixty pounds for yeah. roles. I'm sure he'll endure an extra thirty minutes of yeah. makeup. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I could talk about this all night. Ditto. Yeah, because holy crap. I forgot how good this movie was. So good. <laughs> Ma'am. Um, yeah, any other thoughts? You know what? One other thought uh, as I interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> any other thoughts? I have one. I really hope to see him bring back Scarlett Johansson more. She's Me too. so frustrating in the sense that uh, she's so talented. Yeah. Obviously, she's yeah. gorgeous and she's, you know, one of the world's most beautiful people. And I think that distracts from how talented she is. Uh-huh. And maybe part of it is she's been doing a lot of superhero stuff lately. And so that kind of uh, underwhelms you performance-wise because there's more spectacle than dramat- drama to, to play off of. But if you go back and watch, you know, Girl with Pearl Earring and her early work, she is actually an incredible actress. Mm-hmm. And I hope people will go back and I, I just hope to see her... I don't want to say better movies, but uh, more intricate and better written characters and yeah. more dramatic because she deserves it. I think she is just fantastic. Yeah. What was your thought? Sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I, d- I didn't have a thought. I didn't realize I was David Bowie until writing the notes. Oh, what? Yeah, I'm so bad. Oh, man. God, you're so horrible with faces, dude. I was like, that guy looks almost familiar because uh, it's David <laughs> F. And Bowie. It's David Bowie. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I. Honestly, I got to give this movie nine and a half, ten. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we could sit here and talk about it for three hours and we both have differing opinions. And that's very hard to do because we're the same brain. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, I loved it. Same. I 100%. Mm. Yeah. So what's your recommendation for the week? Oh, okay. So I was kind of going back and forth and I was like, well, you know, do you do another Nolan film? Do you do, you know, another Hugh Jackman film? Mm. I don't know. But I kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to go down the Christian Bale route a little bit. This could get dicey. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many amazing films. Like I, I feel bad in a way about Christian Bale because he, you know, the whole, the whole thing about him blowing up, oh, you sure. know, on set and stuff like, I, okay, did he overdid it. The guy, you know, was insane, but he is insane. Like he, he and, and, and to be fair, like, and that was uh, Shane Hurlbut, that, yeah. the, the DP of that film, whatever the Terminator thing, Salvation. Yeah. Salvation. You in the, between action and cut. Nobody should be doing anything. Yeah. You need to be still. Yeah. And so it's within reason for him to be frustrated. And like you said, he obviously went <laughs> to a level It was two. like 13 minutes of him berating this Yeah, this it, was, it went over the top. Yeah. But that said. Well, so anyway, uh, I feel bad that like that's kind of, just won't let go of him, right? It's, and it's not even, it's not as crazy as Tom Cruise jumping on a couch and and, like that's insane that guy's insane but um although we still love him he's well yeah because he does his own stunts and you're just like what (laughs) the hell you know i mean pausing filming uh, top gun to learn how to fly a fighter jet holy crap it's pretty baller that is baller um yeah but christian bale is an incredible actor and in so many ways like you want to put him in a comedy he will be funny as hell you want to put him in a drama he will be dramatic as hell um, he'll lose 60 pounds, gain it, whatever. <laughs> uh, but he, you will feel whatever he does. And it's kind of, you don't really expect that from him because he's got kind of a lisp to him. And he's just like this kind of like looks like a normal guy, you know, but he just has this way of just, you know, becoming whatever it is he's portraying on stage or on the screen. Uh, so anyway, long story short, I'm recommending American Psycho. Ooh for so many reasons one maybe my favorite uh, reason is the um business card scene where they're comparing business cards 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. Like Vaguely. I've seen, you know, it's funny. I don't think I've ever watched it from beginning to end. I've only seen oh, bits and pieces. God, dude, it is so, ugh. yeah. Uh, it's just all narrated in his head, you know? So he's talking and he's talking about his amazing business card. And then somebody else has a business card. It's just a little bit better. Somebody else has a business card. just a little bit better. That one. And by the end of it, he's just like, so destroyed <laughs> that his business card was not as good as the theirs. And it, yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. American psycho. It's almost 20 years ago. It came out. Holy crap. Yeah. That's insane. So what about you, I've been binging this Netflix show called money heist, Ooh. which is like the worst title. And that's because it's a, is it a heist? It's a Spanish film. Yeah. It's a heist, but just money heist is not like, well, it's pretty boring. Yeah, that's a really boring title. But the show is really damn good. It's mm-hmm. three seasons, and I just kind of tore through all three seasons. But that whole idea, it feels a bit like a magic trick, you know, whenever you're watching it and you're seeing... It's just fun to watch a, a well-executed heist. It's yeah. a heist film or series, and it feels a little bit inside man-ish, but they went into a whole other ballpark. So, yeah. Watch Money Heist, but please watch it with subtitles. Don't watch it with the dub over. Uh, oh God, I can't do dub over. <laughs> it's oh, so it's bad. so awful. Yeah, good reco. But it's been but it's been nice because anything with a subtitle makes you watch it. Like now yeah. you have to invest and and pay attention to everything yep. that's happening. Definitely no passive watching. Well done. Thanks, man. And so this week we have a short spotlight on a film by James F. Coton and Panda Films called we are all alien it's gorgeous uh definitely go check it out no matter what else you think about it this is going to be the kind of short film that you're like it'll give you big ideas and big visions and um it's really interesting so cool take a look it'll be in the show notes and now uh we're announcing the big announcement (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so we are going on a uh, short hiatus we've been doing this show for two years Two years. Two years. And we haven't really taken a break. Not yeah. an intentional break. I mean, yeah. we've missed weeks here and there. Uh, and more often than not, we miss a week. Yeah. But uh, we're generally pretty good. I would say we get at least three out of four weeks. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah. And so this is going to be our first you know, actual hiatus. We're going to take four to six weeks off. And when we come back, we're going to have all kinds of cool things oh, yeah, man. Uh, loaded up. Don't want to go too much into that, but we have a special edition coming up that's going to be not movie related that i don't think it's going to melt your face but hopefully it holds your attention nonetheless uh it's melting my face (laughs) at this moment it's melting my face my arms my yeah gut yeah (laughs) all i can't wait for that it's going to be fun uh and we'll also have other films the next one we'll be doing is michael mann's collateral Mm -hmm. and we'll also we're going to do this before the the, we're going to go on the hiatus now, but we'll load up Collateral. Yeah. Um, so okay, it, gotcha. whenever we decide to come back, I'll just publish that. And that okay. way we'll already have one in the tank. Awesome. <laughs> I like it. And uh, don't forget, smash the like. <laughs> oh, God. No. No, we didn't go there. Subscribe and review. Uh, if you don't mind like that really actually helps us a lot and for me is informative and just fun to see that hey people are actually listening and we so, want sponsors yeah we want sponsors and that's a great way to show them that we have an engaged audience mm-hmm. and uh, people actually pay attention so uh, if you have not yet done that you know feel free to do that and you can leave us a note if there's a movie you want us to talk about this one was courtesy of izzy our man izzy is always on top of his game and i uh, love hearing from him so appreciate you dude And if anybody wants to leave a note on this particular episode to tell us why we got it wrong, specifically why I got it wrong, or or me, I'm a big dumb dumb and I missed the most obvious thing. The bird is actually in here. (laughs) (laughs) What's that website? What's the URL again? Thepestlepodcast.com slash the prestige. All right. I'm going to go there right now and say something. (laughs) I will leave you with a quote of the day from Harry Houdini. What the eyes see and the ears hear, the mind believes. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are basic creatures in that regard. Right? Simple as that. Right. Yeah. I think so I'm- so if, if you're someone who can manipulate those things, then, I mean, you have probably a lot more power than most. And that's all we do with movies. We're manipulating yeah. what you see and what you hear. Definitely. We're making you believe all this happened continuously instead of, mm-hmm. you know, that 
five minute scene which took place over the course of two days and oh, yeah. you know 20 camera setups oh yeah <laughs> it's all no one, one knows trick. how the sausage is made yeah yeah every film is one beautiful trick and it's so much fun to do most of the time most of the time unless it's like yeah. transformers or something uh, <laughs> that would be the last night i know wouldn't it watching that again would be my last night I'm, yeah <laughs> that's it that's it our final episode will be transformers i'm calling it right now so when we have when we have transformers queued up and you know that that's what we're doing this i'm sorry it's gonna be our last episode and we'll bring michael bay in oh yeah we'll talk, i mean by that we'll time he'll yeah. you know they'll, they'll be knocking down our doors yeah he'll be requesting 2022 right yeah sorry matt damon we couldn't get you tonight <laughs> we'll get you tomorrow man <laughs> Man, it's been a fun two years so far, man. Dude, same. I can't wait. I'm, well, hopefully, we have another two in us. I mean, I think that we do. I think so, too. All right. Well, guys, we will be back in a few weeks. Let us know what you think about this. I'm Really, I am definitely intrigued because uh, we rarely have differing opinions, yeah. and I feel like somebody else out there probably has gotten it right, and totally. I would love to hear somebody else's take on that. Yeah. There's so. so much room for interpretation. Yeah. So definitely leave us a note and smash that like <laughs> and, and share with your friends and review us, please. Until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. Mm-hmm.